this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine, Irvine, Irvine Friend us on Facebook at KUCI FM and Twitter at KUCI FM KUCI, talk, music, and more All right, we are back. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I want to tell you about another very special guest I have uh, calling in. Director, producer, actress, comic, and writer Andy Bolt is going to be joining me to talk about her first feature film, Wow Mom. Okay, we're going to stand by. She's going to call in any minute. All right, we are back. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. I'm joined with director, producer, actress, comic writer, Andy Bolt. Hi, good morning, Andy. Hello. Thanks so much for calling in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding? I heard about your film from Justin Giddings, who is on my show, and uh, powerful stuff. You want to tell me about it? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm uh, a comedian, mm-hmm. and a few years ago, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and we began the the fight, and mm-hmm. as a comic, I tried to, like, not put it in my act as much, and then it just got to the point where I just couldn't not talk about it, because yeah. it was just something that was so prevalent in my life, and sure. I started making jokes in my stand-up about, um, you know, how my mom and I would joke about her cancer situation, and about how my mom plays a lot of World of Warcraft, oh. and... Uh, <laughs> And I was talking about that with Chris Hardwick, and I had been working with uh, Nerdist.com, making some web series for them, and he was like, we got to send your mom to BlizzCon. So we were just going to do a one-off web piece, then film my mom and and my aunt going to BlizzCon in full cosplay. Um, Only the more we started to look into it, the more there was a story there, and uh, yeah, we decided to make a documentary film that's Amazing. Sort of highlights how people use gaming as a way to cope or or heal with whatever it is they're going through, mm-hmm. and um, and also just like how I use comedy as a way to uh, deal with what's going on in my life and That's how great. a lot of comics do, and and really it's going to be a relationship movie about the relationship between my mother and I, and you know how cancer can really change a family, yes. but. Um, but we're also raising awareness for NET cancer, which is the kind of cancer that my mom has. What, what kind and, of cancer is uh, that? Can you, can you just tell uh, me briefly for people who don't know what kind of cancer that is? Sure. It's a neuroendocrine tumors, uh, also neuroendocrine carcinoids. It's actually what Steve Jobs died from, and a lot of people think that he died from pancreatic cancer, but um, actually his primary was just in his pancreas. So okay. he and my mom have, like, the exact same uh, kind of cancer. Only so many people don't know about it. It's mm-hmm. so rarely talked about that a lot of these patients go misdiagnosed or they'll go correctly diagnosed but mistreated, and mm. which results in patients dying from complications from uh, being mistreated or just, you know, patients will die, and then when they do an autopsy to understand why, they're just full of tumors. 
So, um, you know, my mom has been dealing with this for since 2010, and we're really lucky that they found it, and she's on a clinical trial, and she's on a whole bunch of experiments with drugs, and she's a guinea pig. Um, <laughs> but we're really, we're really lucky that she gets to be poked and prodded and uh, tested. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these patients don't. You know, we're lucky that she got on this clinical trial, but right. if she hadn't, uh, you know, we'd be having to pay out of pocket because none of the drugs are FDA approved or she'd have to do what Steve Jobs did and, like, go to Europe, which a lot of these patients have done. So yeah. with a documentary that's sort of, it's going to be funny. It's going to be a little bit of a dark comedy, okay. uh, not like a knockdown drag-ass comedy. But, right. um, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of explore this relationship and and this world of gaming and it as a healing tool. But also people will leave the theater having heard of NET and mm-hmm. hopefully tell a friend about it and, you know, hopefully raise some awareness. I posted a picture up on my blog. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Andy Bolt uh, about her first feature, Wow Mom. But I put a picture of you and your mom. You're wearing shirts that say Net Tumor Humor. It- yeah, actually, um, before I started shooting the documentary, you know, your parents, I don't, I don't know if you've had a, a parent get sick yet, but that's the thing. All of our parents are going to die, but um, it's just something that I was not coping with well. And when my mom got sick, it was really frustrating that I wasn't a brilliant scientist, that I could do something, you know? It's really frustrating. It's like, oh, why did I study telling jokes so much? I really should have put more effort into uh, something else. But so I just decided to start throwing a, uh, a comedy benefit that would raise awareness for NET and then some money for uh, for the local LACNET, which is this um, support group that takes care of NET patients um, uh, here in Los Angeles. And, um, uh, yeah, like, that's actually, I, we did this cancer benefit. We made those shirts that are just a, a picture of a microphone that's also a tumor. So and um, had a bunch of great stand-ups come out. And I was actually on Chris Hardwick's podcast promoting that cool. when I started talking to him about um, you know, possibly sending my mom to BlizzCon, which we did because she's such a she's such a nerd. Now hold on a second. What did your mom? Your, did your mom already know what BlizzCon was, or was she like, "What are you talking?" Oh about? yeah. Oh, okay. oh, she definitely knew. She knew. Um, okay. We had tried to get her tickets in previous years, but BlizzCon is it, it's not something that even happens every year. So it's kind of like Comic Con, but specifically for the company that created World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. and they're called Blizzard, and they make Dia- they make Diablo and StarCraft, yeah. and, you know, they'll just skip a year if they want to, uh, mm-hmm. because they can do whatever they want. Right. Um, but tickets are really expensive, and they always sell out super fast. And even though I've been working in the press for a long time, and whatever press outlet uh, or media or TV show I was working for, it was always easy for me to get passes to conventions, mm-hmm. and... BlizzCon was one that I just could not get into. And I was like, Mom, like, I'm sorry. Like, Aww. I tried to buy tickets, but they sold out to me quick. My aunt, who got my mom into the game, she would do the, she would buy the direct TV pass and watch it from home. So they would, like, watch it from home at my aunt's house. And they were always like, oh, man, it would be so cool to go. Oh, yeah. Um, so when I was on Hardwick's podcast, he said, oh, we got to send your mom to BlizzCon. I was like, you can't say this because she's going to hear this. And if you don't follow through, like, I'm going to get, Aww. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily, luckily they did. And we got to go to BlizzCon Sweet. and we got her all, we got her all dressed up. She went as her level 35 goblin. Oh, I love it. And my aunt went as her level 90 panda. <laughs> and um, they looked amazing. They were by far the oldest ladies in cosplay for sure but how cool um, that they did this i mean mo- you know most moms would be like you what are you kidding me 
<laughs> oh, I know, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, you know, and my mom picked her Goblin because she's got 16 tunes, so it's uh-huh. 16 different characters. And I was like, you don't want to be, like, a really beautiful, like, blood elf or something? Yeah. And, and she's like, well, no, I look like a Goblin. Like, I'm five foot one, and <laughs> I'm short, and I look like that. And then my aunt was like, I look more like a panda. And I was like, you guys, mm-hmm. like, the whole point of cosplay is you can be anything you want. Like, you don't have to play into what exactly, you look like, you know? Exactly. But they did crush their costumes, and they were super excited about it. And they had, and then we got, they got to meet some people that they play with in the game who they've never met before in real life. And it. yeah, it. it was really super fun. You know, I have to say, what you did first, you know, your comedy background. Um, let me step back. How did you get involved in UCB and and you know, iOS and all that? Sure. Sure. Well, I actually started doing stand-up when I was 14. Wow. I grew up I grew up four hours north of uh, L.A., up in the mountains in the Kern River Valley, mm-hmm. but I was on a softball travel team, so we would come to L.A. on the weekends for softball, and I used to beg my mom to let me do open mic. So when I was 14, she mm-hmm. finally let me do my first open mic, and, uh, and every time we would come to L.A., I would hit open mics on the weekends. And then I... I when I graduated from high school, I moved straight to L.A., and I didn't take the softball scholarships, which really pissed my parents off, Yeah, and uh, <laughs> came out here to do comedy, and I started just doing stand-up, and I was doing stand-up, and I, would, I was actually getting up at the improv, which is great, and the comedy wow. store, and what I discovered about the, the stand-up community, which has evolved over the years, but at the time, it was such an unfriendly place. Um, I wasn't making any friends in that world. People, you know, comics weren't laughing at other comics' jokes. It was really? like people weren't, Cut like, buddy-buddy. That's very harsh. Yeah, it's, it was a really harsh, like, cold, you know, kind of world I was finding myself in. And then I discovered this world of improv, and I started going to I.O., mm-hmm. and uh, I was just like, oh, like, you guys are all really supportive of each other because if you're not funny as a group, no one's funny, That's right. you know? Uh, so it's great when somebody else is really funny, and it was this really amazing supportive environment. And then through I.O., I actually found UCB, and I started at UCB, like, late 2005, early 2006, Uh and I just did every single class there probably, like, four times, and I interned there, and Wait, let me back up. Wait, wait, excuse me. You did did every class four times? Because I did level two, and I was like, man, this is hard. Yeah, well, level two was pretty hard, so, like, I did level two with... Danielle Schneider, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to do level two with Colton Dunn, and then, oh, I want to see how this guy teaches it, and then I took, I took like 401 a few times, because when you have different teachers, they were sort of, you know, giving you the information differently, Um, and so it was just like, I started interning there, so I would work to pay for my classes, Mm -hmm. Um, so I would just take as many classes as I could, and I took a class with Ian Roberts and Matt Besser, and I just took as many, <laughs> I just took as many classes as I could. Started writing a lot more, and then did my one one person show at UCB, and was on a mod team there for three years. And through that, doing all the UCB stuff, actually, like that's those are the people who are working on this film. I met my DP, and he's also a producer through doing UCB stuff. Because um, I was like, hey man, yeah. I I'm making this movie. I don't know if you're going to make any money off of it, but here's the premise, and he's like, Andy, I'd love to. It'll be the best thing I've ever worked on. So he's been working on the film for almost nothing for the last, you know, year and a half. Um, And then 
And then the the improv community is really amazing because, you know, we'll just reach out and be like, hey, we're going to go shoot this thing, and I really need a sound guy, and somebody will just volunteer, you know, because people really care about this project. This project has been amazing that way in that it's kind of reignited my hope in humanity in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you spend a little time here, you can get a little bogged down. Uh, oh, yeah. Winds wins don't come very often, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um People can be horrible. I don't think it's that they're horrible people. I think that this town can be a harsh, cruel place, and it doesn't breed, you know, camaraderie and niceness. Those, yeah, those, those things are not rewarded, I guess you could say. Um, so making this film, uh, it just totally brought together, and I started working with people I never thought I would work with, and, and people reaching out like, man, like the Kickstarter, we did a Kickstarter for Post, and just having this up, um, so many people reaching out, like, People who are colorists, like professional colorists, just reaching out saying, hey, I would love to do the color on your film as a dedication to my mom. Or I'm a composer. What can I do for you? Like, my dad died from cancer, and I would love to help you out. You know, it's really, it's been a really, like, uplifting, inspiring, you know, process. Incredible. The hardest hardest thing I've ever done, for sure. The last year and a half have been awful and brutal, but in the best way. Like, it's really tough diving in and like exploring how your mom is feeling about her situation, how your family is feeling about it, how other, how other gamers like interviewing other gamers, you know, one guy who is this lovely man and a poet, his son died from brain tumors and for his make a wish, um, he requested to go to the blizzard campus and the company blizzard actually ended up giving him a quest in the game, uh, in his honor. So now, even though his son has, passed away i think it was five years now um you the his old buddies who he used to play with they log on on the anniversary of his death and they go play his quest as oh. a as oh a God. you know what i mean and it's yeah. like i'm interviewing this adorable father and he's telling me this story uh. and like that is just like a hard it's just i yes. realized i was blacking out a lot like now that we're in post watching the footage mm-hmm. i'm like oh i don't remember having this conversation or i would ask people questions i don't remember having them because I emotionally blacked out. Yeah. Like, my brain shut down not because surprising. it was too much to handle. Yeah, no, not surprising. <laughs> but what's amazing is what you've done for your mom because she could have been in this, and she probably has moments of being in a funk, but but what this has done for her. I mean, tell me about that as far as, you know, how she's submersed herself in the gaming world. You know, it's been pretty great. I mean, she lives in the middle of nowhere. My family has a ranch. We don't have neighbors for three miles. Um, It's like in the middle of nowhere. So to have this community where she can just log on and she completely reconnected with her sister. Her and my aunt are now best friends because they play and they talk together every single night. And, you know, she's got friends in Canada and friends in Jersey. And these people in Canada and Jersey knew more about how she was feeling and what she was struggling with with her cancer than her husband did sitting next to her, you know? Really? Because my mom just feels like, and this is something I totally, uh, she passed on down to me, Mm -hmm. is uh, she feels like a burden, which I think is a a really common thing for anyone with anything, like not necessarily cancer, but like people who are going through divorce or loss or any sort of chronic illness. They feel like reaching out to the people who they love the most, they're, sort of becoming a burden mm-hmm. or they can at least this is what she deals with and yeah. by just telling people in Canada what she's going through and not telling her daughters um, she feels like it's less of a burden and 
this to me has become kind of a common theme. And it sort of made me realize, oh, I don't tell my friends or my family about the stuff I'm going through at all. Um, that's definitely a trait my mom passed down to me. Yeah. And I told my therapist that she should get producer credit on this film because she's <laughs> pretty much the reason it's going to be finished. Um, I love it. But, you know, my mom's kind of from that generation of trying to get her to go to therapy. And she's like, I don't need to go to therapy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, mm-hmm. I know. You know, and I'm like, she's okay, tough. all right. Look but, at her. Yeah. But what she would be telling a therapist, it seems like, is kind of an outlet she can get in this game. Yeah. And then also still telling to people who are really close to her, um, like my aunt. But it creates this this wall where you can kind of be more open mm-hmm. uh talking to somebody because they're not going to see you break down. Um, And my mom's one of those people where, like, she's not going to let you see her cry, you know. She's going to keep her, she's going to hold herself together. Um, So it's something where it's like you can say these things, but through this wall, and and then you can quickly change the subject to the monster you're killing, you know, Um, (laughs) and and refocus things. It's like a Um, a new way to communicate with your mom is through gaming. Absolutely, yeah. And this is... This is something like people who have kids that are overseas in the military or, um, you know, whatever it is, like, it's a great way to communicate, spend time with your family, and uh, and it's, yeah, it's something I'm really grateful for. I know that the, the gaming community gets a bad rap, and there are, you know, there's been enough coverage of, like, all the negative side effects of gaming, but uh, but for me, like, in my family, like, this is just something that has actually been really helpful and beneficial which is really funny because when i was a kid i would like beg my mom for a sega and she was like no you have a horse go outside um and then now that she's now that she's you know retired she you know she's like give me that sega (laughs) like oh i'm not i'm not feeling too well i'm just gonna log on real quick you know (laughs) yeah by the way i think it's pretty cool you mentioned this you know a while ago but to be 14 and to realize you're you're funny. I mean, you have this talent. I mean, that's... Did your mom see that in you? Like, you were always have, had a quick wit at a young age? Yeah, you know, I think it I think it came from being picked on a lot. Um, oh. And my mom will tell you this, too. I was, I was like, horribly bullied. And I actually... Oh. My cousin, my cousin who's a big gamer, he was the one who was like, Andy, like, you're just sitting there and taking it. Like, you've got to come back with something. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, call me a name. And I was like, you're stupid. And he's like, bite me. And I was like, whoa, like, and he blew my mind. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I just started, like, I think, I think that this is why, like, nerds become comics or whatever, because I was just getting picked on all the time and making people laugh with my defense. Like, if I made fun of myself first, or if I made fun of them, or made fun of whatever, did an impression of the teacher, if I was the funny one, then it was my way to, like, cope also, I was the youngest, so let's be honest, I just really wanted attention. Yeah. And from a very early age, I was like, I want to be a comedian, and I want to be on this stage. And uh, yeah. and so I would just beg her, and she wouldn't she wouldn't let me go to auditions, and she wasn't going to let me have an agent. She was like, I don't want you to be one of those weird actor kids. Right. Um, but, you know, she what she just kept telling me is, look, if you want to do it when you graduate high school, you'll do it yourself. Okay. You'll do it yourself. And then I did it, and I think she was a little, like, surprised that I did because she's she's like, but you have all these D1 softball scholarships. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to be able to act and audition and stuff when I'm playing, okay. when I'm committed to a softball team. So exactly. came yeah. out to L.A. when I was 17 and then just put myself to junior college instead. 
And I started studying, like, acting, but then I realized, um, like, it sounds like you've taken some classes. Like, all the mm-hmm. best classes are not necessarily at the colleges. It's no. like the teachers that are that teach their own classes or the comedy classes or whatever. So I switched and I started just studying filmmaking mm-hmm. because I very quickly discovered that people weren't putting me in their projects. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make my uh, own. Uh, yeah, auditions yeah. are hard, and yeah. agents kept telling me, you're too athletic, like, you either need to gain 30 pounds and be the funny fat friend, or you need to lose 30 pounds. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And be so the I'm emaciated learn comic? How to make stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I said the, to be the emaciated comic? Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really it's really tough. It's like, yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to be a woman in this town for a lot of reasons, but mm-hmm. I just had a really long conversation last night with a bunch of female comics and we're all talking about like body image and and it's like these women are beautiful and hilarious and like i'm like man the last thing we should be worried about is like if our body is okay for this stupid town it's like exactly. ugh, makes me so mad exactly. we're headed in the right direction you know we're getting funny women on tv and in films and stuff but yeah, yeah that's definitely you know Definitely something, and and also I went from when I was seventeen and and I was performing at the improv. I would be the only woman, like of the night, you know. Um, really? Whoa! And and now it's like there's more women doing comedy, which is great. Like yes. the more women that are on stage, better for everybody. There's yeah. still less, but it definitely has come a long way. I mean, I've been out here for over twelve years now, and it's it's really interesting to see how it has changed. Yes. Listen, we got to wrap, but throw out your website and uh, yeah. a clip to the, your film. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can go to wowmomthemovie.com. That's W-O-W-M-O-M, themovie.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you'll find everything there. Um, we've got a little trailer there. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're going to set something up so if people still want to donate, they can. Oh, good. Um, so we're going to need – we just raised enough money to get us to the first rough cut. And um, so, yeah, so we're going to need more money for animation and sound and stuff like that. But, yeah, we're really excited just getting to this first cut. Well, congratulations. It's an incredible film. and I'm, Thank you so I, much. I'm and so thank you for taking an interest in highlighting us. Oh, really it really it. struck a chord with me. So thank you. Oh, thanks. If anybody wants to hear th- this interview, if you've missed any part of my conversation with Andy Bolt, it'll be up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. All right. Take care. And happy holidays. You too. All right. All right. That's a wrap for me. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I'll be back next Monday. Up next, Sheldon Abbott, Cure for the Blues. He is here live in the studio. All right. Come on in, Sheldon. I was so glad to have him back. And uh, if you want to find out about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, J-A-N-E-A-N-E. That's the hard part. At KUCI.org. And I'll be back next Monday. Have a great day, everybody.